Hey everybody, welcome to church. My name is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor here at Trinity, and we are so thankful that you have chosen to join us for church today. Whether you're in a group or on your own, wherever you are, what we're learning right now is to be the church when we're the church scattered. We can't gather like we used to. One day, God willing, we will, but for now, we're so thankful to have you join us in the way that you're joining us. We hope and pray that your heart is sustained and your life is carried by the life of God. Before I read from the Bible, I want to share with you an important update. It's been probably mentioned earlier, but Ash Wednesday is coming up on Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the Lenten season. Now, if you're anything like me, you didn't grow up in a home where you observed the liturgical calendar. I had no idea what that stuff was until I was an adult. But Ash Wednesday simply marks the beginning of a period of wilderness wandering that leads us and prepares us, hopefully, for the beauty and the power of Easter So we would invite you to participate with us and with Christians all over the world and throughout the ages to make our hearts ready for Easter. When you think about Jesus, he spent 40 days in the wilderness before his ministry began. The Jews spent 40 years in the wilderness before they made it home to the promised land. And so for us, each year, we, we pattern after those two and we say we're gonna enter into our own intentional wilderness. And during this wilderness time, maybe you will read your Bible a little more, think about sin, repentance a little more, maybe choose to fast. We do these things in order to remind ourselves that we're not owned by our appetites and that we're called to be free men and women, people who are headed home. So we would invite you to join us, whether you join us for our virtual service on Ash Wednesday um, or whether you decide to uh, show up in our parking lot to receive an Ash and Cross. We just want you to know that we are going to be embarking on this journey together and we're excited to do so. Now, I know that for many of us, we felt like this Lenten season has been a year long Lenten season. It's the, the pandemic and all that comes with it has been exhausting and maybe you don't want to participate. I would encourage you to lean in anyway. See, I believe that the power and the life of God available to us in the resurrection means more when we enter into seasons like the one that we're about to embark upon. Our church is going to spend some time in the book of Exodus during this season, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that Exodus story as a pattern for us to say, what does it mean to live like free women and men? So with that in mind, let's read from the Bible. This is uh, the story of the transfiguration from Um, Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud there came a voice, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that you would give us peace. I pray that you would speak to us through the word today. That you would help us, God, to be the kinds of men and women that you've called us to be. 
Help us to be at peace and rest, to hear from you. And Jesus, I pray more than anything else that we would see you for who you really are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. This text is really important. And the reason why it's important, specifically positioned before we get to the Lenten season, is that it's critical that we see Jesus for who he really is as we enter into the darkness. See, the church and the disciples were about to enter into a period of extreme darkness and uncertainty. And it was before that darkness that Jesus is transfigured in front of them. And so today we're going to look at the transfiguration. We're going to ask some questions around what it means, where we could be uh, receiving insight from this text with an eye towards sustaining us as we walk through the Lenten season. So the first thing we need to see here is Jesus is transfigured. And that word simply means to change. So what we're told in typical Markian brevity, uh, the Gospel of Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels. Uh, Mark is um, fast-paced and straight to the point. He simply says Jesus is transfigured. He doesn't say a whole bunch about what that means. What we know is that means that he was radically transformed in front of their faces. His appearance changes and he catches his friends off guard. His clothes become as bright as a flash of lightning. Now, I want you to imagine what it would have been like to be James, John, or Peter, and you climb up a mountain with your friend, and then all of a sudden, his appearance is completely transformed and changed. And we need to understand something, and this is something Christians have wrestled with throughout the ages. In this moment, Jesus is not amping himself up. He's not sort of turning the light bulb on to make it brighter. He's actually pulled back a veil so that his disciples finally see him as he always is. They see his glory. So in this moment, in a very real way, James, John, and Peter are able to really wrestle with the fact that this is who they've been with all along. This is who they've shared meals with. This is who they've walked in the woods with. This is who they've heard teach. He is a powerful, glorious son of God. And they see him for who he is. And I think all of us, at various times in our life, we need to catch a glimpse of who Jesus really is. Otherwise, he just becomes kind of a, um, a normal part of our everyday life. See, they see who they're dealing with now. But it's more than that. The second movement in this passage is that Moses and Elijah just appear on the mountain. Now, if you know anything about Jewish history, this is a pretty big deal. Moses and Elijah are the two largest characters in Jewish history regarding the law and the prophets. They are a big deal. And here they are with Jesus on the mountain. Now, I know some of you are immediately distracted by this. You think, were they really there? Like, is this real? I actually think they were really on the mountain. And I think it really matters. And here's why it matters. It matters because we're told here that God has a story that he's telling that's in continuity with the history of Israel. Luke's gospel gives us a look into this. Mark doesn't go into all of that detail, but another gospel does. And it gives us this sense that the Lord is telling a story that's bigger than we could imagine. Here's what Luke says that Mark doesn't about the conversation Moses and Elijah have. He says they were discussing the departure of Jesus. And another word for that is the exodus of Jesus. So what we're told here in the third movement of the text is that a new exodus is about to occur. Not only are Moses and Elijah with Jesus on the mountain and the, the disciples get to watch it, but they're discussing, according to Luke anyway, a new exodus. So what does that mean? 
I believe as we walk into a Lenten season, a new exodus means a lot or should mean a lot for us. The exodus is that famous moment where we're going to be spending time for the next number of weeks where the Jews walked out of bondage and toward freedom. But before they could get to home, to freedom, they had to leave where they were. They had to encounter an exodus. So as we walk into the Lenten season, the Lord is inviting us to engage in a new exodus, to move out of sin. This is an opportunity for you and for me to repent of our sin, to think about the patterns of thinking and living, not just behaviors, but patterns of thinking and living that are holding us back from being the kind of free men and women God's called us to be. The Lord is inviting you and me to experience a new exodus. And so I would simply put this question in front of you, where is God inviting you to experience freedom where you're not currently experiencing it? See, if Jesus is here to lead an exodus, he's come to do that for you, for us. But we have to actually be aware of where he would be inviting us to walk toward freedom and away from something else. See, that's one of the things in the Bible. Whenever we're walking towards something, we're actually choosing to walk away from something else. We're, we're letting go so that we can apprehend and that's exactly what I think Jesus is setting us up to see here. The fourth thing we see in this passage is also really important because it tells us something about us. Peter, who's there with them, seeing Moses and Elijah, he attempts to prolong this ecstatic spiritual experience. He basically interrupts the moment, right? Jesus is speaking to, you know, the all-star team of Jewish history. And Peter's like, hey, Jesus, I have a great idea. I'm going to build some booths over here. And we're just going to like give you all some space to hang out. So you can just do this forever. Y'all, Peter is doing what? We all would want to do. He's trying to make the moment last. And the Bible's so telling here. Even Mark tells us Peter said something because he didn't know what to say. He was sort of acting out of his own anxiety and his own excitement. And he's trying to just make it last. And I, people pick on Peter. I'm so sympathetic to Peter because Peter, he's just like you. He's just like me. He's thinking like, in this moment, he's thinking, this is so clear, I just want this clarity to, to stay with me and with us. And he's just trying to kind of get his hands on it to, make it to make it work. He's trying to build a structure that will make the thing feel like it's going to last forever. Maybe you've had a mountaintop experience. I mean, just today, I was out walking on the West Side Beltline and I had a, an experience of clarity and prayer that felt crystal clear. But as soon as my walk ended, I was immediately aware it won't feel as clear to me tomorrow because clarity dissipates. And so what Peter's trying to do here is he's just trying to hold on to the clarity. And we, we can forgive him that. But here's three things that I know. God doesn't show up in power and clarity all the time. We, we wish that he would show up with power and clarity all the time. But occasionally God will give us clarity and he wants us not to control those moments of clarity, but to receive them as a gift and then carry the truth of what we received, even if we leak a little bit, back into the valleys, into the ordinary, into the routine. And that's what they do. We're told here at the very end that they look up after God speaks, and there's nobody there but Jesus. So it's just James and John and Peter and Jesus. Same four that walked up, walked down, but they're invited to walk down that mountain with a sense of God's power and glory that will see them through the dark days ahead. 
As we enter into the Lenten season, I believe the Lord wants us to see Jesus for who he is in a way that will sustain us as we walk through the valleys ahead. I want to put a couple of questions in front of you. So if you're journaling, this is an opportunity to reflect and journal. If you're with a group, this could be a great time to hit pause and, and discuss those questions as a group. Number one, do you create space in your life currently to be redemptively alone? We're told at the very beginning of this text that Jesus was alone again, that he led his friends up alone. Do you find redemptive spaces of being alone? And I mean, that's different than being isolated and cut off. Redemptive alone time, tensional solitude. Number two, do you believe that Jesus wants you to see him more clearly? How might he be inviting you to position your life in order to experience him more clearly? I think it's important for us to ask those questions. And number three, in what ways might a clear experience of Jesus help you navigate the valleys in your life right now? Where do you need to see him for who he is to do what you need to do? If you're at home, we would invite you, uh, if you desire to do so, to come during the week and pick up communion kits because we're going to be giving you an opportunity at the end to gather in groups or a family or by yourself to receive communion. And just know during the week, business hours, we're here and we would love to serve you communion kits. The way we're gonna finish today is simply praying the Lord's Prayer. We're gonna pray together as Jesus taught us to pray. So let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We hope to see you on Ash Wednesday in our parking lot, or we'll see you when we see you at church. God bless you. Amen.